to Cherish, Live, and Dream. We are back. We have a very exciting interview for you guys today. I am your host, Yaya. And I'm your host, Jay. And we are your Hope Dealers. So let's get into it. We have the fabulous, the amazing, just everything rapper, King Shalik. He has granted us an exclusive interview about his journey it is an amazing journey so without further ado because y'all know I can talk <laughs> we are going to get into it so welcome King Shalit the goat how are you doing I'm doing great um you know it's an honor like I was saying it's an honor I'm grateful and I'm thankful to be on here today I'm doing fine you know doing good that is great. So listen, let's get into these questions because we have a lot to get through today. Wow. Okay, so listen, you were accused of a crime you did not commit. Correct. Right? And so as a result, what were those charges and the believed connection you had in the crime that led to your arrest? And, and let's share with the audience what that actual crime was. Uh, I was charged with first degree murder. I was charged with uh, attempted murder. Uh, I was charged with, it was a total of six felonies. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I want to say after breaking it in around two accounts of attempted murder. And then I say, but a total of six felonies I was charged with. And, uh, you know, in belief of what they believe my role was, you know, they felt like that person that did it, you know, and uh, yeah, it was a total of six felonies. Wow. So, so what actually like led to the arrest? Like, you know, before all of this, it took place, you know, I had, I had prior charges and different things. And, you know, I have a face full of tattoos. And, you know, so much of the stereotyping and, you know, pretty much of what, how can I say, the African-American with tattoos on his face go through now, you know, at the age that I was then, you know, just so much of believing that, you know, he looked like he did it or he has a past. You know, so he did it. If his name is just thrown into the air in any type of way, he did it. Wow. So you you were arrested. Yeah. You spent yeah. time, I guess, before your case was actually tried. Right. Which is, you know, when you and I spoke offline was crazy. Right. So, and that's, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so please share with us how long you actually served before your case actually went to trial? I did eight and a half years. And, uh, you know, we'll get it. I don't want to so much of, you know, go all over the places, but that's where this story gets interesting because I meet people on the daily basis that say, how was you incarcerated for eight and a half years before your case got heard? You know, the judicial system, I understand it isn't designed to work in the favor of the supposedly criminal, but everybody that's incarcerated is not, you know, guilty. And, you know, we have these cases that get carried out until your case is able to get heard. It could take six years, seven years, eight years, 
before you actually get into court and your innocence is proved. So you have to so much of go through that while you're incarcerated, you know, hoping and praying that your case can get heard, you know, as soon as possible. And it could take up the years. So can you share with us why it takes so long for a case to be heard? Is it because other cases are on front or some the shenanigans thing, going on behind the scene? I don't know. Like what, yes. what, what's and, and the main thing about that is, you know, because I wanted to speak before and target it because like we have the way the system is built, you know, you can have, let's say maybe 600 people waiting to go to trial. So, you know, when you contact your attorney and try to find out why my case isn't in trial yet, what's the holdup? You know, it's a delay due to, oh, we're trying to get this together. We're trying to get that together. And, you know, it's always some type of, like in, in put off, it's always like a put off for your case. And then you're still sitting, but in the process, this is where it get tricky. You have actually people, lawyers sometimes that will tell you it's in your best interest to take a plea. So you start juggling back and forth. Should I take a plea for something I didn't do just to hurry up and get out of this stressful situation and get it over with? Or should I hold on to my faith and pray and wait? And, you know, that's when things get tricky because even in my situation, you know, it took me so long to go to trial because, you know, like they, you know, the DA holds so much power over your case being heard. And that's the problem because the DA is not with you. He's against you. Even if, you know, you have an understanding, okay, I have to fight this case. He's still not your friend. So he would drag this case out, you know, as long as they can and make you get to the point where you say, I'm tired of sitting. I want to take a plea. So did you ever get to that point? Yes. And that's where faith, God, belief, and constant prayer had to kick in. Because mm -hmm. I know I'm innocent. And I know I didn't do it, but I'm sitting here like, you know, I'm in in a jail cell all day, 24 hours a day. I can't go nowhere. And, you know, the way they design prison and jail is different. You know, prison, you're still incarcerated, but they give you a little bit more freedom. You know, the way you can move around, do your time different. So people in the county jail get so stressed out, you know, they say, I want to just take this plea. And, you know, I had got to the point and it was so awkward because my mom had said, you know, son, I don't want you to go to trial and get life. I don't want you to go to trial and lose. You know, maybe can you consider taking a plea? I said, no, mom. And then automatically when I said no, her faith went all the way through the roof, which has already been there. But she said, whatever you with, son, I'm, I'm going with you and we're going to get through this together. And yes, your mama is a praying somebody. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Jay, I don't want to monopolize because, you know, I can talk. You got any questions for King Charlene? Because this is, oh, I'm about to sit over here and cry. So what yeah. was the plea that was offered to you? The first plea was life. A plea. Life without parole because I was actually facing the death penalty. Ooh. I started off with the death penalty. I was facing that. And, you know, once I had said, you know, I'm not taking that definitely because I'm not going to sign my life over something I didn't do mm -hmm. to give you permission to kill. Me. Mm -hmm. And after that, they said the next plea was life. And I had one more plea after that, which was the third plea. And that was 33 years. 
And you know, when I had heard that, I said, I gotta go to trial. Mm -hmm. I gotta go to trial. Now, was this after the eight years or was this before the eight years when you got these pleas? Or during the course of the eight years, rather? in, In the course of the eight years, like my, I had a whole mix up with my attorney situation. I had to switch attorneys in the middle of trial. Like actually when trial was at the end, I had to, like before trial had actually started, I had to make a, make a choice. I was trying to decide whether did I want to keep this attorney or, you know, change attorney. So in the course of the time they had came with a plea because the, the original attorney I had, he did not come see me until it was time for trial. Wow. And that I, I had to be the bigger person once I won my trial and still shake his hand and forgive him because we all children of God. Because like, you know, when I was sitting in there, he had never came to see me nothing, but maybe like two, three times. So he pop up with a plea right here close to trial. And this first, this was the last one because I had already had the two. He said, this last one is 33 years. And, you know, when he said that, I had, I was on the frustration because I said, you did not come and see me during my incarceration. And now you pop up and tell me it's time to go to trial. Like, you know, I had to so much of bottle this all up and decide whether, you know, I was going to keep him or not. And I said, I don't want you, you know, on my case. I don't want to continue with you because he said, well, you know, uh, you can't change lawyers now. We're going to trial and, and this is what it is. And I said, you know, I need to speak to the judge. So, you know, when I got down, if you want me to wait to get to a little bit of that, I will. But if you need me now, I, you know, continue because I don't want to take up with each question. Well, listen, go ahead. Okay. But, <laughs> all right. Go okay. with the flow. <laughs> so after, uh, you know, once I spoke to him and said, I want to get in front of the judge to get me a new attorney, they called me down. And, you know, nobody knew what I was doing because even at one point in time, you know, I was, sometimes it still seemed to amaze me how this panned out. And I know that God is real and he covered this situation. Mm-hmm. He covered it because when I came down and I stood in front of the judge, me and my attorney that I had at the time was going back and forth, you know, in front of the judge. I said, he did not come see me you know, until it was close to trial and I don't feel comfortable with him going to trial and I want a new attorney. You know, my mom's sitting in the courtroom, she's lost, not completely understanding what's going on, but you know, like I said, one point in time, I have to follow through with God and put it together with what's going on. You know, so as I said, I didn't want him on my case. The judge denied my motion. He said, you have to keep him. So now, you know, now it's already in the air it's tension between me and this attorney that I'm about to go to trial with now because I stand in front of the judge and say that I don't want him on my case and the judge deny my motion. So now I come back to the cell, I'm completely stressed. I'm completely stressed to the point to where I feel like I'm getting railroaded. And, you know, when I came back to the cell and I sat, you know, I said, God, you know, I need you right now. I need you to hear my prayer because God listens, even when we feel like he's not, he's just on his time and our time and his time may not always match, but his time is always the best time regardless. So I said, God, I need you to hear me and walk me through with what I need to do because I can't go to trial with this lawyer. I, it's my gut. It's my conscience. It's my spirit. And I'm here now. And this is what I'm falling through with. So when the 
and you in excuse me in North Carolina when you are charged with murder you have two attorneys okay my second attorney who I hadn't seen either came up I get a uh my, the officer comes to the window and he say, do you want to come out of your cell? You have an attorney meeting. I said, man, I don't want to talk to the attorney if it's the same one because, you know, we just had a bad hearing in court and my motion got denied. So he said, no, this is a, another attorney. So when I get in there, it's caught in Mansfield. Great attorney, fair attorney. And we'll get into that a little bit later because, like, I was all over the place. I was back to the wall. I didn't know if I was getting railroaded by him because when I come in there, he say, look, since the judge is not listening to you, I'm here to listen to you. And I said, what is it that we can do? He said, listen, I take the case. I am willing to take this case right now because you have no other choice. It's me or the other attorney. And I know you don't want him because I seen the way that the motion went in court because he was present. You know, I said, I don't really know. He said, we got two weeks. He said, I could stretch this case out for two weeks. After two weeks, we're going to try I said, let's let's do it. I said, let's get me in front of the judge tomorrow and I and, and you know get my other attorney off the case and you take the case. And you know, here I am. And we'll dig into that because that got layers. Like me and him had bonded closely because my life was in his hands. Ultimately, mm -hmm. it was in God's hand. Yes. Let's say that. Yes. But you know, the physical look, you're like, okay, he has this case. I got to make sure he do what he put. I got to make sure that he really has my best interest. So during this whole time, you never knew about the other attorney? No, I knew I had two and mm -hmm. I knew his name. But once again, the judicial system, lawyers have so many different clients mm -hmm. that they're not even able to see all of them sometime up to six months to a year. Wow. They not all of them like some of them try and make effort and some of them do, but most of the time, you know, you don't see them. <laughs> yeah, I found a lesson that that attorney actually showed up during the yeah. time that you had no clue who he was and didn't even know that he was sitting in listening to what was going on with emotion and asked um, you know, the judge to get rid of this particular lawyer that you had at the time. Right. So that 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 sounded like that was definitely ordained by God and for him to eat, you know, just to show up during your um, motion and right. then to show up a couple of weeks later and to let you know that he was present during that time. And now right. you're here. So, yeah, God. Yeah, that's yeah. where that's where it goes over the head of all of us and in the hand of God, because mm -hmm. he was there. Mm -hmm. And I just think about so the 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 entire time eight years you're you're in prison. I just can't imagine. I mean, the emotions. You know, you're innocent. Like to the heart of hearts, you know, you're innocent. Like during this course of eight years, like one year go by too. Like right. was there some point where you just like you know what? I don't know if God is even there. I don't know. Ah, right. yes, yes. Like so talk yeah. about that. Talk about that, please. And like. This process, you know, I try not to use the word mistakes much in this life because these are lessons. As long as you learn from these lessons, then that's when the whole ball game changed. It's not mistakes. It's a lesson. Life is a big old lesson. 
everything you go through, you have to snatch the lesson out of it. And if you don't, if you make a, you know, go a different route and don't do the same thing, that's when, because life don't come with a blueprint. You know, it just, it's just no layout. We'll go this way, go that way. Cause we all be where we want to be. You have to take these, what they call mistakes, because all of these are man-made words. You have to take this and, 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 and shift it into lessons. So, you know, it was times to where I said, it's God, listen, you question because <clears throat> as you sit still, it's so much moving around you and you talk, you talk, you talk and you say, God, you know, it questions your faith and what you believe, but never, ever again will I question if he's listening, because this right here has showed me, even when you think he's not listening and he don't talk back, he's listening. He's pulling the strings and setting the stage the way he wanted to happen. And you may want it to happen this way, but the way you may want it to happen may not be the best way. And when he got your best interest, it's going to happen on his timing and the way he wanted to happen. Amen. So during that eight years, at what point did you say, you know what, this is not getting ready to go down this way. And you just held on and held on until now you're in front of us today. Like what I was think, that opening moment for you? I think like, okay, when I first got incarcerated, you know, being young, I was 19. I was going on turning 20. You know, I'm sitting in there, I'm full of emotions, I'm stressed, I'm happy to see, you know, the mother of my children, they're in tears, they're crying, you know, so I'm, I, I, I'm lashing out. This is when I'm going through the pain, you know, I'm lashing out, and then as the years change, I started, you know, exercising more, I started saying, you know, it was never too much of a time to where I laid in the bed and I was down. I just always kept the spirit of, you know, I'm going to be okay, even with my faith, wherever I've always kept up. It was people that had lesser time than me that wasn't even locked up for, like they might've been locked up for three days and they would come to me, a man facing murder, facing all of these years and still say, I made them feel good in the midst of what I was going through. Mm -hmm. So like it came as the years developed, I started reading revolutionary books. I would tell my mom, order this mama, order that. And you know, she was always there. She even when she did not know what I was completely doing, she had faith and she was behind a hundred percent. So as I started reading about, you know, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, Stokely Carmichael, Marcus Garvey, you know, I started going back, digging up everything about our people just to get me some knowledge because what I was seeing in the jail was what I already knew. Mm -hmm. I was trying to when I I would say it came somewhere through like my seven year mark and like I just was developing and when I got strong you know I said that I'm okay and my mom stayed with me all the time she stayed talking to me her faith never wavered even when mine did a little bit and then when I got to like seven and a half years I was just strong I was strong not stronger than I am today but I was strong and I knew that you know I'm going to prepare myself for whatever they toss at me. And she just, mama just kept coming, hitting hard. Oh, you coming home. You coming home. She's seen people out that she talked to. And people tell me today that my mom manifested me coming home and continuously saying it. He will not get life. He will not. He will not. He will not. And we just became strong together. And it was, that was it. Mm. We're just right here too. Mama's right here. 
She's nice. uh, you know, she she's sitting right here like a proud mother, you know. Yeah. Wow, this is oh my gosh, this is so amazing because when I hear your story and I think about, you know, we all have our struggles and yes, you yes. know, not to minimize our struggle or compare our struggles to others. Right. But I can't imagine. I I just cannot imagine. Because I'll, I'll go through something for two days and be about passed out and be like, you know what, I can't do this. We're, we're talking to someone that innocent now, mm-hmm. eight and a half years, and still today, you're strong as ever. And I, and I know a lot because I had a praying mama. Yeah. When you have a praying mama, and, and you know, dads are good. We love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's something about that mother, that strength, that prayer, that just, listen, when, when I'm trying to be professional here, but when Nisi, yeah, because that's what we grew up calling her, Nisi, um, when she would post on Facebook prayers and, and she would tell the world, not just people in your hometown, she would she yeah. on Facebook and be like, he coming home, he coming home. Right, yeah. I mean, she had all of us. All your aunties and uncles and internet cousins. <laughs> yeah, internet. Yeah, let's put that out here because I have a lot of internet. Oh, um, even though I'm your cousin in real life. Yay. Yeah, real life. Oh, um, yeah. praying on your behalf. And, you know, and now you, we're going to get to your, your career because the career is hot. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. hot. Listen, when I um sent Jay the song, Hey, she, that's like my favorite song. I mean, you got some other yeah. hits that I love. She was like, We got to get Jay Z on the line. <laughs> Yeah, baby. Yeah, Haiti. And I, yeah, you know, Haiti, you know, I will get to that later too. So, um, it's just amazing. And and one thing before we get to your career, when you and I were talking, and 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 I keep going back to you were innocent, you were innocent. You actually said, and this is when I like basically slid down the wall. You was like, you thank God for that eight and a half years. Yeah. And I don't know if I could be that strong to thank God for to go through something that long, knowing I didn't do it. And then say thank you. Yeah, that is some faith, some growth, some growth in your faith. Now, mm-hmm. tell us about that. Why? Why would you say something like that, knowing you went through a whole process that you had no hand in, basically? Now, you know, I don't want to say this, and you know, people take it the wrong way. At one point in time, I was upset with God mm-hmm. because Be- I didn't. This is what this is about. Let us know. I didn't know if He heard. Mm-hmm. You know, I was upset because, you know, I had to watch people walk out and leave, being released, and I was still sitting inside that cell. I watched so many people leave and come back, leave and come back. And I said, God, when is my time? When is my turn? And even in the midst of that, he taught me something. Mm-hmm. That when your time do come, you're not going to be coming in and back, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm molding you. I'm shaping you. I'm building you. So when you get out, you don't mm-hmm. look back. Because I've seen so many people come back, come in, come back, come in and come back. And you know, like, that's just, as time went on, I said, God, I'm going to chalk this down as a blessing. Mm-hmm. Especially when I came home, because you know, you bottle up and you try to say, is this what is this completely? Because you say, if I do get life, how can I come home physically? My life is gone. Like I have to spend the rest of my life incarcerated. And I said, God, if you bring me home, I know what you did this for. 
I know what you did is you did this to save my life, my physical life. And that's when I started saying that it's no more being mad with God. It's no more. And that's why I thank him because like, it's, you see the two things at the rate that I was going, hanging around the wrong people, just, you know, being a, a daredevil, being negative, even to this day with our youth, it's only two things can happen, jail or death. And if I've already been to jail, in prison, what could it the next thing be? He saved my life. So that's how I took it all. I lost something because life is a series of trades. You give and you gain. You know, you have to sacrifice something in order to get something. You have to sacrifice time for work. You have to sacrifice, you know, staying away from that crowd to focus on your career. You have to sacrifice. So I had to realize, God, I sacrificed losing a lot of time out here that I can't get back in order to be here today. And, you know, in the long run, you know, God won't let me suffer a premature death because he saved my life. And now I look at everything different, everything. Mm -hmm. So that's how I was able to say, God, I thank you. It hurt. Yeah, it hurt. It hurt. But God, I'm way better. I'm way better, mm -hmm. way stronger, way wiser. Mm -hmm. And I know that that trip and that journey, yeah, it hurt, but that trip and that journey helped change my life. And I believe what you're giving us today, giving the audience today, matter of fact, giving the world today, because you international, because you international, mm -hmm. we claiming it. Um, yes. It was already in you from birth. Yes. Yeah. It was already in you, but you just, God just put these processes in our yeah. midst, whether we understand it or not, to bring it out. And when I told you he bought you out, he bought you out. Yes. You yes. are major. Yes. And you sing that song, Haitian, that I love so much. Yeah. Don't only sing the hook for us. <laughs> I'm riding around with my Haitian. Yes. <laughs> He's smoking on Jamaica. Ooh. Pray soon as I wake up. I gotta stay prayed up. Yeah. Kitty, baby, crazy. She been treeping lately, stubborn, disappearing. Never mind me, I'm kind of my spirit. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that song. Yeah. Write that. Did I you wrote it while you were locked up? Yeah, I had it. And when I came home, I was like, yo, you know, I want to make a song, you know, saying because I studied Haitian. Mm -hmm. I, and, and the reason I did, because like I studied a lot of, uh, as I started reading about the Harriet Tubman. The revolutionaries and stuff. I started learning about where our people that actually come from because I was more of a spiritual person than a religious person incarcerated. So I started studying about Haiti. And you know, I oh, uh, you know, I have some friends that's Haitian. You know, they love me. You know, I have little kids, shally, 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 like you know, like the spirit <laughs> I possess. You know, I have friends that was Haitian, and you know, I said it was just like I started saying it walking around and said. Wrong with my age, you know, they smoking on Jamaica. Pray soon as I wake up, gotta stay prayed up. So they like, yo, you need to do that. You need to do that. that's one of the first songs. So yes. like I had these songs written before I knew I was coming home, but mm -hmm. it's just that I still had the faith. But you know, before I physically was free, I had these songs inside my notepad, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm like, yo, this just, you know, when it worked out for me. And, you know, they said not guilty. And I was on the way back and my mom was falling behind the van. No, my son coming home. She falling behind the bus. Like, let him out now. Let him. 
my mom, my dad, I'm like, you know, so much going through my head. Like, you know, like, I got the song, I'm ready. And that was one of the first songs I said I wanted to do. Wow. They love it, though. Like, yeah, I got to, you know, I'm going to definitely uh, do a lot more with that song. Yes, definitely. Listen, I know you had, you already put a little video out for it, but yeah. if you do yeah, another we yeah, we I gonna, wouldn't mind doing a little cameo. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. appearance. Yeah, that was a snippet. It's not complete. So, yeah, the door is still open to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, question. What was the date that you went in and the date that you came home? I went in, uh, Mama, that was, I went in the 17th of March, mm -hmm. 2013. Okay. And I came out. July the 26th, 2021. Mm -hmm. My goodness, my God. And I had two trials now. Mm -hmm. Two trials. Two trials. That's where this whole thing just get, mm -hmm. you know, bothering. Because the first trial, I had what you call a mistrial, which is a hung jury. It was a split decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mostly everywhere that a case is heard like that and you have a mistrial you are supposed to get a bond reduction or you're supposed to get an ankle monitor on your your leg until mm -hmm. your next trial i was denied and did not get neither one the wow. bond was nowhere near reasonable they knew i could not make the bond they did not allow me house arrest until my next trial to where you know i'm not going to work mm -hmm. they held me after the first trial. Wow. So how long was the process once you met the second lawyer and he came to you? How, how long did it take from the time that you met him until July 26, 2021? Uh, I want to say it was a little bit after I met him. Shortly after, you know, I met him trial started. Mm -hmm. So we had built the bond because I didn't get to see him, you know, because, excuse me, because of like the pandemic and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't get to see him as much at all. So, so after that, you know, once I, uh, the trial, probably like two weeks after, you know, he came, we had to go to trial and get things started. And, you know, I built the bond with him then. Mm -hmm. You know, I built the bond in there. Wow. So listen, as this national, international recording artist, how has that been for you? I mean, it's been I like, I love it. <laughs> like the, the, the music, you know, that's a gift from God that he gave me. But like, I'm not going to lie. Like when I came home, I had, I had so many different things coming at, you know, relationships, I got caught up in a relationship. Like I started, you know, spending time. I didn't lose my touch for music, but like, it's just like, you know, when you just, you have so much at you, coming at you, mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of like, you know, took my focus a little bit off of music. And, you know, I just recently been able to, because it's just like, I started fasting more recently. I started, you know, doing a lot of, you know, closed off things I started staying away from the crowd and you know I I just started so much of you know staying close to my foundation going back to my roots of what how I was when I came home because you know if you're not careful 
the evils of this world will attack you and it will have you thinking this, thinking that. So, you know, it was a lot of different times where things have sort of changed. But, you know, my career, I'm able to do more focusing now and pick it back up. And now I'm ready. And we ready. Yeah. yeah. We all the way ready. Yes, we are. I got outfits in my closet. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Definitely. I'm ready to wear to the listening parties. Yeah, yes, yes. yes Listen, yes. don't you start them too late because you know I got to be in the bed by 9 30. Thank you. The party don't get started till 9 30. Mama laughed at you, yeah. Well, listen, we go, you know, almost kind of bring it in, wrap it up here. So, King Shalik, the goat. And by the way, I love those little goats that you had in that picture. Yeah, I want to tell you about this. I met a nice lady and partner great friend, you know, and this is going to open up something else I want to talk about. Like when I was in, when I was incarcerated, I seen a lot of stuff on TV about anti-police, anti-white, like this lady that I met that actually bought me those goats, she was white, but I didn't, we are all children of God. Mm-hmm. So in my eyes, she's family. You know, she allowed me to come. She has a nice house. and park. So like, you know, she bought the goats for me. And I was able to, you know, to come out, mingle with the ghosts. And she's a sweet person. Her name is Heather. And, you know, uh, you know, like, I just feel like our leaders need to step up and not just, it don't matter if they say you're not cool. Be real. Mm-hmm. So let them know that just because a person is a police or just because a person is white, they don't have to be against you. What about the biracial children? What about the people that just took uh, to become an officer because, you know, that's what they just wanted to be. You know, I actually got stopped by the police. I was on the way to work and I was looking down on my phone at the GPS and I was going a little bit too slow. So the officer stopped me and said, hey, uh, are you OK? Why are you going so slow? I said, you know, for one, I just got my car back and, you know, I want to make sure that don't nobody bump into it. And I'm looking down at my phone and, uh, you know, I was like I was trying to follow the GPS because I went a different way this morning and he was nice as can be. He said, okay, man, you know, you need me to help you. Then I had one time the police helped me change my tire. You know, like, yeah, it's like, so you got to understand, man, like, but those are the people that think on lower levels sometimes, but it's on our leaders and us to enlighten them. You know, once they see me doing stuff, because they may say, well, I know, you know, it's a difference from knowing somebody that was, you know, actually went through this. Like, you can't talk to nobody that, you know, a person that actually did time can tell you more about a person that haven't done it. So, you know, I just, you know, as me being like a leader or whatnot, I let them know it's okay sometimes, you know, to mingle with different, you know, people, you know, as long as their energy is good, you know, because it don't matter whether you're black, blue, green or brown. If the energy is off and it's dulling your spirit, stay away from it. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was going to say, because it is attitude. So listen. Um, as we wrap this up, let us know how, or us, the, the audience, everybody know how we can keep in touch with you, how we can follow you. We definitely have to do a part two of this yes, interview because yes. we're not going to be able to get it all in today. Yes. Um, but let us know, let us know, gosh, my words are twisted up, um, how we can stay in touch with you, your social media and all of that. Okay. I got some cards on the way coming out pretty soon. I have my QR code on the back, but you know, my Instagram is at King Shali, K-I-N-G and S-H-I-L-E-C, at King Shali. Okay. And my Facebook is Shali Rockwell. 
Before I go, I have one major special guest. She want to step in and say, hey, she's standing right here. You know, my mother, <laughs> Eleanor Denise Walters, the one and only the infamous. You didn't her. say the whole government name. I know. I know. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hey. Hello. Hey, family. Hey, fam. All right, y'all, y'all. All right. So All right. So listen, guys, thank you for joining us. We are definitely excited about this interview and more that's going to come with King Shali, the GOAT. So y'all stay tuned to what he's going to be doing. And y'all also stay tuned with us. And so we love y'all. And I love you all.